Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the kingdom of heaven into your spheres of life. Anyway, my name is Kelsey and it is so nice to see all your beautiful faces here. Um, Along with my husband Dan, who you saw earlier, we are pastors here at Oceans Church. We are not the pastors. Jade and Nash are the pastors, that's where it's at. But we are a part of this family um, and we absolutely love it here. And did you know that we, we've actually been here for quite a while? I think we joined around August 2018, I think. That's when we started catching up and doing these dinner parties, dinner parties, these gatherings. And then I think we, we helped launch the church around April 2019. So we're coming up five years and I feel like we're just a part of the furniture. It's really good to be here. And if you guys don't know, in that time, we have actually been on quite a journey We've moved buildings three times. We went fully online for like three or four months during COVID and we were actually homeless for about three months last year. <laughs> Who remembers that? <laughs> what a wild ride. Um, but it's good. God is, God is moving. It's powerful. It's good. We are strong. And, and I don't mean just physically strong. I'm pretty sure we can hit up Kobe for that. Where's Kobe? <laughs> but we are strong. We are strong. It's good. And we are in the second last week of our legacy series, which is really cool because we're, we're talking about kids and, and not just kids, but the kind of legacy that we can leave for our kids. So next Sunday, we're actually having what we call our Heart for the House offering, where we invite everyone who calls Oceans home um, to give into the vision of the church with the hope that we'll actually be able to provide a, a home, a physical building for Oceans Perth, because we don't own this place right here. And let me just speak a little bit of vision into that, because We've mentioned it before, but I just want to really just like, this is it, right? Let's go. We want to plant more campuses, not because we need the name of Oceans to get out there, but because we need God's love to get out there, right? There's a burning desire in our heart for people to know and experience the freedom and the love of Jesus. So that is our desire. And we just want to create more opportunities for people to do that because I don't know about you, but In Wembley right here, in this one suburb, there's like, there's actually over 11,000 people. And you can Google it. I checked. That was in 2016 though. But now, and there's there's also about 12 churches. There's like Catholics, Anglican, there's Pentecostal. Yes. So good. But we need more because we can't fit 11,000 people in 12 churches. So that's what we need. So to plant campuses, that's our big goal. But finding a home for Perth is our next step. And this is just the practical side of things because at the end of the day, we don't want to just have a building that's full of people who hang out. We actually want to leave something far greater than that. So the definition of legacy is something that is passed on and that has a long-lasting impact. Now, my husband's from a large family, (laughs) one of nine boys, actually. Um, And his dad and mum are some of the (laughs) hardest working people I've ever met. As you can imagine, with nine boys. Um, And this is something that has been passed down to all the guys. It's it's not a physical thing. It is a character thing. And the legacy that they're leaving, it's not an instruction. It's not something that they've just told their kids to do, but it's something they've taught their kids. They've demonstrated it. They're they're training them up in it. And this is a legacy that will last through the generations. And... There's a quote from Billy Graham that says, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren isn't money, but rather a legacy of character and faith. 
Because character and faith, they're eternal things. They're things that last. And God wants his legacy of character and faith to continue to the generations through the church. So I'm going to take it back a little bit. When God appeared to Jacob in the Old Testament, he revealed himself as a God of generations. So it's in Genesis 28, 13, and it says, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground that you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. And he named that place Bethel, which means house of God. So the ground Jacob was on was going to belong to him and his descendants. And it was called the house of God. It was a place where generations could come and be in the house of God. The house of God is generational. The church is for the generations. It's not just for us right now to be like, woo, this is fun. We want to build something that can last for our generations. You know, last week, Pastor Jaden preached um, on two things that rob our legacy and one key to build a legacy. And I'd encourage you to go back and watch it if you missed it. It is absolutely incredible. But this week, we're going to talk about the soil, the thing that the seed plants itself in. Because seeds are great. They have a lot of potential. But without it being in the right environment, it can't thrive. It actually can't even grow. And so... I just want to explore this question. What defines a good environment? What kind of soil? What kind of place do we want to build to see the generations thrive? We want the soil. We want the heart of this church to provide a place where generations can actually thrive. So my first point tonight is that we want to prioritize young people. Come on. Let's go. Young people, it's where it's at. We want to help create And I just want to help create a picture, actually, about the kind of soil, not what we do want, but I want to show you what we do not want, just to make it super clear. So there was this guy in the Old Testament called Isaiah. He was like a prophet, kind of important. And he heard a word from God, and he wanted to to speak this word to a a king called Hezekiah. And I'm just going to read. It says in 2 Kings 20, 17 to 19. This is pretty flawed, actually, but (laughs) strap in. (laughs) The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. That's so hectic. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. They'll become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. No, thank you. That sounds horrible. But then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this message you've given me from the Lord is good. That's not a typo. For the king was thinking, at least there will be peace and security during my lifetime. So Isaiah was giving Hezekiah a prophecy about what was going to happen in future generations, not to Hezekiah himself. And Hezekiah was stoked. He was like, at least I will live in peace and security. See, Hezekiah prioritized himself. He didn't care about anyone else. He cared for his own comfort. He didn't care about any of the consequences that were brought on by his family from the sinful things that they did. He prioritized his recreation above future generations. He had a short-term view. But I don't want that. That's not us. We don't want to be a church that prioritizes our own comfort, that only thinks about ourselves and not the next generation. In fact, we want to actually prioritize young people, even if it is at our own 
expense. We want to set them up for success. And how often when you're like, you're playing with a kid and they're like climbing on your shoulders and they're kicking you in the face and they're just trying to reach the monkey bars and you're like, oh, it's just, and you just let them do it because they've got a goal and your job is to help them get there, you know? Preach. (laughs) It's good. We want the younger generation to be launched off our shoulders, even if it's painful. You know, when I handed over the kids' ministry to Jamie, my prayer was that she would launch off my shoulders, off what I had already built so that she could take the kids' ministry and make it greater. I wanted to put in the hard work, the sacrifice, the pain, the blood, sweat, tears many times (laughs) to build something that I could hand over to someone else that is far more gifted, that is far more anointed, and to lead our kids into a greater encounter and a deeper relationship with Jesus than I ever could. And she's done that. Your kids up there are experiencing that. And this is why we prioritize the the younger generation. There's a quote from Brady Shear that says, if you want your church to reach young people, you have to prioritize them more than other generations. If you want your church to reach young people, you have to prioritize them more than other generations. We love all of you. <laughs> but I'm talking about a shift in priority. There's a, uh, there's a research from a place called the Fuller Institute. That's a hard thing to say, Fuller Institute. And it says, based on research from the Growing Young Project, we're actually calling for churches to dedicate a disproportionately large amount of attention and investment in teenagers and young adults. And I'm just going to chuck in kids in, in that as well. But why? Because churches that make young people feel at home experience growth across all generations. In other words, young people multiply what's invested into them to the rest of the congregation. This doesn't mean that young people matter more. This is about building a culture in church that prioritizes them. And in doing so, the whole church benefits. If we all want to see a move of God, we need to prioritize and invest into young people. This is the soil we want them to be placed in. Because when the young people win, we all win. And regarding the youth, regarding the young people, we aren't, we're not being pushed aside by them. We're getting the heck out of their way. We're stepping aside and we're cheering them on. We want them to go further than we ever could. And they're welcome to stand on our shoulders. We don't need to be intimidated by them. We need to be inspired by them. We are removing all glass ceilings for them to thrive and grow. It's a maturity thing. You know, it's no longer about you. Can I say that? If you're a parent, you know it's no longer about you. It is about them. The greatest satisfaction comes from being a platform for others. And there's a few things that we can do. We can overlook and this is a good thing. We can overlook styles and traditions and look towards and seek substance and truth. So sometimes we mistake style for substance. We get caught up on what it looks like, but what actually matters most is, is there substance? We don't want to hold on to traditions. We want to hold on to the truth. And the next thing is we want to empower kids. We want to empower them over entertaining them. You know, in the, in the church, we expect kids to come to us, watch us, watch me worship, watch me preach, come to us. But instead, we want to be cheering them on. 
it's not about us, it's about them. So in a moment, I'm going to invite one of our very own, Sailor. <laughs> She's going to share with us and we're going to champion her and pray for her. And as she comes up, Sailor is an absolute gun. She's fearless. She's bold. She's confident. Let's give her a round of applause. <laughs> she may be small, but let me tell you, she carries the same Holy Spirit that we do. I am not much taller than her. <laughs> but you carry the same Holy Spirit that we all do. There's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit at all. And Sailor is an example of that. It's not about size. It's not about age. But it's about how in love with Jesus she is. So I'm just going to pray for her real quick. If you guys want to stretch out your hands, that's something that we do. Just pray alongside me. Father, God, we thank you for the next generation. We thank you so much for Sailor. And we just want to lift her up, Father. We just thank you for the boldness and the courage, God. And we just thank you that she can stand on our shoulders. She can be lifted off. And I just pray right now, God, that you give her such a platform to launch off, God. And I pray that she's able to go further than we ever could. And I even see that over you right now, Sailor, God's going to take you further than your mom, than your dad, further than even what they think you're going to do. They're going to be dreams that you're going to fulfill, and it's going to be amazing, and it's the best adventure yet. We thank you, God, for her courage, Father, and we just thank you that there are big things for her in her life. So we just declare peace. We declare your power of the Holy Spirit. We give her a fresh infilling right now in Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. Amen. Um, I just want to say that um, never give up because I've, I'm not very good at school and I've been struggling, but... My teacher, Mrs. Harvey, she has helped me a lot and I usually just struggle at getting to school and then I have the best day ever. But sometimes I don't, but my teacher helps me with all the su subjects I have to do. So, yeah. And I think that God, God's done a lot for you in school, hasn't he? Would you like to tell us about that? No? That's okay. You don't have to. All right, let's give it up for Sailor. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I know God has done a lot in that space. So if you get a chance to chat to after, it would be, that's amazing. But yeah, thank you, Sailor. That was awesome. <laughs> this is what it's all about. This is about the younger generation. So we want to prioritize the next generation over our recreation. Just like we don't want to um, do what Hezekiah did and prioritize his own comfort over the generations. We want to be the example. Awesome. Good point. Far out. Sally, you just blow me away. <laughs> I'm stoked. I got to be a part of that, um, being up in the kids' church and the kids' ministry space, and I've watched her grow, and it's just incredible. Awesome. So, second point before I get too carried away is we want to honour and value the house of God and ministry. So we're talking about the kind of soil that we want to have. We want to, to honour and value the house of God and ministry. Because what we value, they value. They see us excited about something and they copy it. They, we, and we want to replicate, what they, and they will replicate what we celebrate. 
And we can't just tell them what to do. We have to actually show them what to do. So if we honour the house of God and ministry, they will honour the house of God and ministry. And I think over the years in in post-Christian culture, we've conformed to the world around us. And the house of God and ministry has actually been devalued. In the name of saying that everything's equal, by default, we've actually diminished the house of God and ministry. But we don't need to do the the Aussie culture thing and push something down to be lifted up. We can still honour and elevate every single vocation, every single person. We can celebrate. But whatever level of value of honour you give to these things, we need to give double honour to the house of God. In 1 Timothy 5.17, it says, Elders who lead effectively are worthy of double honour, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. We've actually sown dishonour in the house of God to ministry by our casual and cavalier approach to church and ministry. And we need to bring that back. We need to bring honour to the house of God back. Because if we don't honour this, who will? If we don't honour it, they won't. Our kids won't. And if our kids don't, who will? In 1 Timothy 3, 1, it says, If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honourable position. Honourable. We need to bring honour and a double honour. So to whatever degree you honour doctors, DJs, principals, politicians, entrepreneurs, auditors, mountaineers, solicitors, all these things, double honour to the house of God and ministry. Why do we do this? Why do we need to honour? Honour is the secret to power. Let me tell you why. If we want to see the power of God in the church, the power of God in the generations, the secret is honour. Youth, the young people, they don't want a dry religion. They want authenticity. They want real. They want raw. And they want the rawness of the power of God to to change their lives. It's the honour is secret to power because Jesus, he went around, he did miracles, he healed people, he went everywhere. But then he went to his hometown and there was no honour there. So I was thinking about this. I thought that the opposite to honour was that they treated him badly. But actually, you can look at it. He didn't get treated badly at all. They dishonoured him, which actually means to be lightly esteemed, to be treated as common. So the opposite of honour is actually familiarity. In this familiarity, they actually robbed themselves of the power that was available for them to experience. And we do exactly the same with the house of God and ministry. I'm just going to go there. I'm just going to say a few things, maybe some thoughts that we think. Oh, it's just church. We just do a few songs. We preach. That's about it. It doesn't matter if I rock up late. The first song doesn't really count anyway doesn't matter if I don't turn up to my roster. I'll listen, but I won't practice what they preach if I don't really believe it. You know, by this kind of stuff, we actually miss out on the power of God. The secret to power is honour. We need to honour Him and His house. If we want to see the miraculous move in our kids' lives in the next generation, we need to honour. Because they will replicate what we celebrate. If we have a casual approach to church, they will have a casual approach to God. And Christian, and casual Christians become Christian casualties. 
heard that one. And with that, there's no legacy. There's no legacy that's sown from that. We can't have that. We're not a church like that. That's not who we are. So just a few practical ways that you can honour the house of God is rock up on time. Early is even better. Sit up. Come hungry. Come expectant to, to hear from God, from God to do something in your heart and to seek God together. Other ways, we can just encourage you around your language. And normally it starts in your heart. So these are some of the thoughts that sometimes dishonour can creep in. So I'm just going to ask a few questions just for you to think out. You don't answer out loud, <laughs> please. How do you speak about church at home or about the leadership? So we need to be giving double honour to the house of God in ministry through your tithes, through your time, through your talents and your gifts. Because no honour means no miracles and it becomes religious. This familiarity means no legacies birth. And we don't want that. So to, to, to move on, we want to prioritise young people. We want to honour and value the house of God in ministry. And number three, we want to be a living sacrifice. So Jacob, the guy that I mentioned at the start, he went back to the place that he called Bethel and he sacrificed to God in the same place that his grandfather did. Because one sacrifice by his granddad wasn't enough. They didn't cover him for the next 10 generations. He had to sacrifice for himself. And our sacrifice in our generation right now, our sacrifice is enough for our kids. Because we need to learn to be a living sacrifice in our time so that they can learn to be a living sacrifice in theirs. Christianity is not about convenience. We're not to be a consumer, but we are to be consumed by God, to be captivated by Him. In Romans 12, it says, In view of God's mercy, be a living sacrifice. Man, I never want to retire from living a sacrificial life. We never graduate from it. David says, man, I love this. David says, another old guy in the, in the Bible, Old Testament, I will not give a sacrifice to God that doesn't cost me something. So I encourage you, let's change our language around that. I am glad that it takes me an hour to drive to anything church-related. I'm glad that that costs me. <laughs> I'm glad my generosity means I sometimes go without. I'm glad that time with my daughter means missing out on other things. Because if these things didn't cost me, then I will get familiar with church. I will get familiar with God. And dare I even think about getting familiar with God when He is the very one He gives me breath in this moment. My life is His. My very breath is His. And I want to live a life sacrificially for Him until I die. He is my everything. And there's an opportunity we have next week to sacrificially give. And, and I hope it costs you something. It's not about the amount. Because what we sacrificially give, not just give, what we sacrificially give, we'll sow a seed for the next generation because sacrifice breeds miracles and God's power. And we want this. We want our next generation to experience this. As a kingdom principle, it starts with a seed, as small as a mustard, the smallest seed. But a mustard seed grows into one of the largest of all garden trees. The seed is your faith. It's the beginning of something. And I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider, what seed am I going to sow? 
next Sunday, we're going to get everyone to be part of it. Everyone together. There's going to be cards in your seats. I actually think they're there already. Um, and to fill them up. And it's just, it's less about the size or the amount of the seed, but it's more about everyone sowing together. So we're going to have a moment next week when, when we fill out those cards and we come in and drop them at the box at the start. Because you are here right now because of someone else's sacrifice. Because of Shafe and Jess, our senior pastors. I wouldn't have come to, to know God if they hadn't been like, oh, guess we're just gonna, oh, we're just gonna give double honor to the house and I'm just gonna lay aside and, living, and live sacrificially and just give my finances and give my time and give my skills and talents and abilities because they believe in planting for the next generation. Because of their sacrifice, you're sitting here today hearing a word from God. You know, if you want to leave a lasting legacy, then I want to invite you guys to align your heart with His and say, I will prioritize the next generation. I will honor the house of God and ministry, and I will continue to sacrifice and live my life as a sacrifice. Why don't we all stand up? You know, next week, as we come to Heart of the House, I just want you to know that God doesn't need your money. What He desires is your heart. He longs that your heart would align with His. He wants to build a legacy of faith that lasts for generations. And maybe some of you, this is your opportunity to reset, to reset your heart, to turn from prioritizing your own comfort and recreation over building for the generations and decide to invest into young people, to be a David to the Solomons and say, I might not be the one that gets to build the temple, but my son will, my daughter will. It's not about me. It's not about what I can build, but it's what I can sow into the next generation that they can launch from my shoulders. So, Father, right now in this space, God, will you sow a seed? Will you realign our hearts, God, to look at not ourselves, but at the next generation and show us where we can sow? Show us the gaps, Father. We want the next generation to know you deeper, to be more intimate with you, to be more aligned with your heart and to be changed and transformed more than we ever could, Father. Right now, we choose to honour the house of God. We turn from dishonour and it begins in the heart. We say, right now, sorry, God, I have treated your house, this ministry, as common, as familiar. I've been apathetic towards it. And right now, I choose to give double honour to your house. So God, right now, I just pray that as we align our hearts, as we turn to honouring your, your, your house and your ministry, Father, that there will be miracles, Father, that your power will come upon people. I just see you shifting hearts right now. There are people that have been struggling with this. Maybe people who have actually, this is their first time in church and dishonor started before they even got here. 
because of what the world has said, because of what the world has spoken about church. And I just see God realigning that right now. And He's saying and declaring, that is not true. Let me show you what my family is about. Let me show you what I can do in your heart. It is far greater than you can ever imagine. You know, some of us need to choose again to be a living sacrifice, not to be a consumer, but to be consumed with the passion and the fire of God. So right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come into this place. All you desire, God, is an open heart. Will you fill those with open hearts right now, God, in this space? Will they feel fire, God? Will they have a fiery vision for you? A fiery vision for their life, God. I just pray as they walk, they will see miracles. As they talk, they speak miracles. That they are able to prophesy into the spaces where they're at. And I just see people going into their workplaces right now with an honouring heart, with an aligned heart with you and changing things and shifting environments. So God, we just thank you that you are calling people to be steadfast and warriors and lights in this place, in this world, in the very place that we are positioned in. It's no mistake that you're there. It's no mistake that you're here. Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.